Hey friends, this is Jeff. At the beginning of the pandemic, TJ and I had been recording together for about two years and our first time away from one another, we had to figure out something new to say and we decided to do a deep dive in one of our favorite movies. Uh, the Jurassic Park series is coming to a close this summer. We thought it'd be fun to repost uh, some of the material that we did on the Jurassic Park just to get us in the mood. We've done lots of deep dives into pop culture, from the Marvel Universe to Star Wars to our Villains series. You can see all of that stuff on our Patreon page if you're interested in more. But for now, we're going to jump into some dinosaurs. I'm Jeff Cook. And I'm TJ Wilson. And this is Around the Circle. I'm walking slowly. I'm taking my time. All I could talk is starting to rhyme. I'm letting go lonely, letting go of strife. I just can't get enough of this beautiful. The Enneagram is a map of the human personality. It's a tool for navigating relationships creates language for what motivates us and helps us look at the way we look at everything else. Most importantly, the Enneagram is a mirror because sometimes you need help seeing yourself. My name is Jeff Cook. I am a philosopher in Greeley, Colorado. And with me is TJ Wilson, businessman, lover of theology, new father, and Enneagram ninja. Hello. My man. Hey. We are rolling on our deep dive into the Jurassic Park. Yeah, this is a good time. This is one of those movies that brings together some of the best actors in the world. It's true, yeah. They really nailed it with this one. A lot of them are the character actors, you know, that just kind of pop up everywhere. And mm -hmm. then some of them, like uh, one, Samuel L. Jackson, is just getting his uh, sea legs here. Right. Like one of the few movies that you've ever seen that's like Samuel L. Jackson isn't playing Samuel L. Jackson. Yes. Yeah, it's <laughs> nice. It. Yeah. So going through just each of the actors in turn, because it's worth just highlighting some some fantastic uh, character actors here. I would love to talk about your favorite movie from each of these folks. Okay, great. Ladies go first, and let's talk about the Laura Dern, who's in a variety. Did you know this? She was nominated for three Oscars. Sure. I didn't realize that. She was nominated for Wild uh, Rambling Rose, and then she just won this last time for a Marriage Story. Okay. You got a favorite Excellent. Favorite uh, Laura Dern film? Not film. Uh, she was the love interest that Ellen came out to in the TV show Ellen. Is that right? Yeah. I did yeah. not know this. Like, it, it was a really big deal, and, like, this was at... Yeah. A pivotal time of of my family embracing the gay community, uh -huh. uh, and it was like it was a really big deal. I remember it very distinctly, and like Laura Dern's one of my heroes. Coming out to Laura Dern, I didn't know that. I'm gonna yeah. go look that. I'm gonna go YouTube that. Yeah, it's great. I don't know if the show would hold up. I just have this like I have this memory of it because of its pivotalness. In, sure. in history so because in, uh, just uh, as a footnote it's very, your mom's queer yep and that was a big deal in your household at the time right yeah this was a period of time before it was common for people to be out right 
So, yep. Yeah. That's excellent. Well, she will be, uh, not only is she a kamikaze pilot in Star Wars, but she is apparently going to be in the new Jurassic World Dominion. Oh, fancy. They're bringing her back. Okay. <laughs> Sam Neill, uh, are you Hunt for Red October or Event Horizon? I'm going to go a different direction again and say made for TV Merlin. Oh, I didn't ever watch that, but oh, I wanted holy to. Holy cow. It was so good. Helena Bonham okay. Carter is mad. Martin Short doing his thing. Oh man, that <laughs> is a fantastic <laughs> film. Was Martin Short like a jester character? Yeah, sort of like he's yep. a, like a, this imp uh, servant of Mab. It's so good. Okay, well, oh man, we we are clearly under quarantine. I'm looking for things to watch. Yeah, Richard Attenborough, uh, Great Escape or Gandhi? Man, you keep giving me these two options, and I always want something different. Uh, Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street. I would choose Joseph in the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. Ooh, there you go. Yeah. Okay. I did not. The, you know what it is? Is I didn't even remember that he was in that movie. Yeah. So there's Jacob. Go. Jacob and Sons. Man, one of the best uh, making ofs that's out there is the making of Gandhi, the mm. movie. If you can sure. find the documentary, it's on the Blu-ray, but I'm sure it's on YouTube as well. He spent 25 years or something like that raising money, refining the script, getting this passion project produced, mm-hmm. and uh, just uh, just such a like a life's at- achievement there. Sure. Um. How about Samuel L. Jackson? What's your favorite Sam Jackson film? I mean, obviously, Snakes on a Plane. <laughs> <laughs> not Snakes on a Plane. Definitely not Snakes on a Plane. Uh, my favorite Samuel L. Jackson is actually uh, The Negotiator. Oh, I haven't seen this. Which I have not watched post um, Kevin Spacey's whole thing. But sure, uh, I love that movie. It's worth finding. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm writing these down. Yeah. I'm a huge Pulp Fiction fan. Of course. Excellent. But great going, going there. Uh, last one would be one Jeff Goldblum. Which, <laughs> which <laughs> yeah. should, I, should I tell him or should you tell him? Unpopular opinion time. I <laughs> hate Jeff Goldblum. I just hate him. <laughs> I really, really struggle with him a lot. I really don't like his presence in any of the movies that I've seen him in. I love Wes Anderson films and I hate him in all of them. We've I already he... talked a lot about Marvel films and I hate him <laughs> in Thor Ragnarok. I just, I don't like Jeff Goldblum. He's the bad guy in all these movies. Yep. And I, I don't know what it is. Like I, I really like a lot of the films that he's in and I just, yeah. I can't stand him. I don't know what it is. So, I love The Right Stuff. I don't know if you've seen The Right Stuff, but just a fantastic movie about space exploration and the the, uh, early, uh, what were those called? It it wasn't Apollo. It was was the launching rockets with men in them (laughs) Um, project. It wasn't Gemini or Apollo. It was whatever came before that. Mercury. It was the Mercury project. Okay. But he he plays uh, kind of a side character. He's kind of a comedic character. He's just great. Anyway. But my favorite role of his would be in uh, in the Jurassic Park, yeah, which we are returning to. But just the first one, his role in the third one is re- 
ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, was he in the third one also? Or are you talking about the Is second it the third one? Third one or the second one? I don't remember. They're all terrible. I hate them. Second one's with his gymnast daughter. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's the second one then. Yeah. It's silly. They, they realized what a great character he was. Mm-hmm. They're like, well, we'll just make him the star. But sure, then yeah. you realize that character doesn't work in that way. Right. Yeah. You cut him off at the knees. Yeah. Like you say, we're going to make you the star and we're going to cut off your legs. Dumb. <laughs> That's how that went. Um, well, we're going to pick up the Jurassic Park as our characters are entering the visitor center. Excellent. And they're seeing uh, all the things that have been... Uh, built by one John Hammond, and they enter a moving movie theater, isn't it? Yeah, sure. I mean, they're yeah. in a movie theater. It's, it's like a ride. That's what it is. Yeah. And John Hammond says, why don't you sit down? And then John Hammond comes on screen. Hello, John. Hello, John. Hello, John. Hello, John. <laughs> That's a, the, that, that banter between the, the two John Hammonds is just adorable. <laughs> now here's a seven question for you is that is john hammond going to show up for every presentation of this film for the guests who come i think that's the implication here but i highly doubt it right he there's a couple of uh, again you kind of are seeing who john hammond is hints here one apparently he's gonna show up and and be part of the adventure with all of the guests who have come to his park because he or, really wants to get into that. Or maybe like a true seven, that is his plan. And then yeah. after the third one, he will totally abandon it. <laughs> Truth. Yeah. <laughs> so the video describes how they're going to make uh, or how they have made dinosaurs with Dr. DNA. It's got that great cartoony feel, not quite super professional, but it's, oh yeah, I know. It's like just the average theme park animation mm-hmm. going yep. on here. Yep. It feels very much like the like the paperclip helper helper in Microsoft Word. <laughs> which right. which one came first? Do you think the paperclip or Dr. DNA was uh, first? Because I bet you one is based on the other. Oh, I think Dr. DNA was first. Yeah. Yeah. Microsoft. That said- was in ninety three and Microsoft Word, like the 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 ability to animate in that way didn't come out till way later. I bet you that's right. On computers, yeah. I bet yeah. you the Microsoft people are like, you know what it really works? <laughs> yeah. It's Dr. Let's DNA. Just, yeah. <laughs> Let's just, Let's just it off. put eyeballs on this thing and make it talk. <laughs> so uh, Hammond starts making excuses for why there's not dramatic music quite yet, but we're going to make that happen. And then the tour moves on and the bars come down and they start moving. And Gennaro, the lawyer who we said in our last episode uh, that Gennaro is an epi- is a uh, Enneagram 3. He is way into this, and he says, This is overwhelming, John. <laughs> are, are these characters uh, auto-erotica? No, no, no. We have no animatronics here. No. And he moves on. Mm-hmm. I just think that's a, that's a fantastic, <laughs> like, just little side gag. I don't know that I've um, ever caught that joke. <laughs> it makes me laugh. Um, and Hammond says, no, these are the real miracle workers at Jurassic Park. Um, it's a, it's a dig on the lawyer because yeah. it's clearly a Freudian slip. Right, right, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, and it's no... Wait a minute, how do, how do you interrupt the cellular mitosis? Can we see the unfertilized eggs? Shortly, oh, shortly. Can't you stop these things? I'm sorry, it's, like, it's kind of a ride. All of a sudden, they are wanting to get out of these constraints. 
Right. Another image that's going to play out throughout the rest of the movie of things breaking through barriers. Mm -hmm. But then Malcolm says one, two, three, and then they lift up the bars and they get out and they enter into the laboratory. Yeah, I want to make a couple of notes about how that scene plays out. Like the yeah. the the lawyer guy, the three, is very excited about how this looks. The seven is having a blast. Right. Like and and it's not going that well, but he's just sort of like, it's gonna be all right. Like, we're gonna make it better. Um, like like that sort of reframing in real time. Uh mm-hmm. and then we get to the moment where the 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 experts have questions that they need to be answered. So Grant is like, wait yeah. a second, stop right now. How do you accomplish this thing? Yeah. And Ellie, the two, wants to see, like, like she wants to see the unfertilized egg. It's the relational connection is how that comes out. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And and Grant is the first one to try and actually bust out. Yeah. And then the three comes alongside and is like, let's all do this together. One, two, three, break. The, that's what their job is supposed to be as well. Right. Like, we're supposed to be looking at this. We're not supposed to be just seeing the adventure. Yeah, we're not along for the ride. Yeah. When that is all John Hammond wants. That's it. Yeah. He doesn't actually want them to sign off on this. He wants them to get caught up in his enthusiasm and what he's created. Mm-hmm. It's a great line. Mm-hmm. Enter the lab with the eggs. Uh, there's a character, Dr. Wu, who says, ah, perfect timing. I hope they had hatched before I had to go to the boat. Now, here again is Hammond. Well, why didn't you tell me? I insist oh. on being here when they're born. Which, again, I want to be a part of all the things that are taking place. Right. I've been. Pre- <laughs> and then he, he doubled down. He says, I've been present for the birth I had a question for you. Yeah. Have you have you seen Tiger King yet? No. No, everyone has told me I need to watch it, and it just I I just uh I don't want to so bad. Watching it again, <laughs> I was like, oh man, there's something about the collector of all these animals. Tiger King, mm. uh Joe was his name, Joe Exotic. Yeah. It's very there's a ton of image going on. Anyway, but um, there's something about that personality of someone who's going to have their own zoo mm-hmm. and their relationship with the animals. And here's how it is expressed with the seven and a clear expression of fear of missing out. Yes. Yeah. 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 And that, what I read here is there's lots of good ad- intentions going on, even lots of depthy relational connection. Like Hammond is calling out to this dinosaur to be born and he wants to love this thing. And we'll find out later this thing is a it's a raptor. Right. You know, <laughs> it's like, like once so it grows up, it will try to eat him. Right. For sure. <laughs> so Will then begins to tell them about how there's no unauthorized breeding in Jurassic Park. And Malcolm says, what? You know, how do you know they can't breed? And and this is where Wu says, well, all of the animals in Jurassic Park are female, that we've engineered them this way. And this is the place, I think, that Malcolm really begins to really get skeptical. But, um, again, how do you know they're all female? Has somebody yeah. gone to the park and pull up the dinosaur skirts? We control their chromosomes. It's really not that difficult. That 
is the thing that a chaotician mm-hmm. is going to react immediately against, even if he's not, you know, a controlling Enneagram type. Right. Hearing, oh, you're trying to control things mm-hmm. is exactly the sort of thing that somebody who studies chaos for a living is going to push against. Yeah, absolutely. John, the kind of control you're attempting is... Uh it's not possible. Listen, if there's one thing the history of evolution has taught us, it's that life will not be contained. Life breaks free. It expands to new territories and it crashes through barriers painfully, maybe even dangerously. But And Wu says, you're implying that a group composed entirely of female animals will breed? No, I'm, I'm simply saying that life uh, finds a way. Big claim being stated to an Enneagram 7. Yeah. John, the type of control you're attempting isn't possible. Yep. That's the tension in the film, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Seeing the the type of story that John is trying to craft, the type of adventure that he's trying to draw people in, the part that he's missing is everything that will go wrong. He yeah. is has so severely divorced himself from the danger of what he's doing that he created dinosaurs. <laughs> like <laughs> full stop. <laughs> yep, yep. Yep. Yeah, he he's he's so excited about the adventure that he has not stopped for a moment to consider how this might go wrong. This is both some of the best elements of the sevens in our lives. Mhm. And some of the things that make us nuts yep, who, for people who have sevens in their lives. Yep. And talk about self-understanding on this front. If I'm a seven and I understand this is a temptation for me. Yeah. Like one of the things that, that John needs in his life to be a more healthy person is uh, people alongside him while he's making his grand plans mm-hmm. to sort of pull in his reins a little bit. And, and he doesn't have that because he's he's rich enough that he can just m- manifest the world yeah. as he wants it. Yeah. And and he he's also he's rich enough that he can just pay for his obstacles to be taken down. Yeah. And he needs someone in his life to hold him back from himself. And like, like as we see the story play out in future films, like that's part of who John Hammond becomes. He has such a terrible experience that he actually becomes a much more cautious person. Mm -hmm. But the damage is already done. Yep. So, yeah, the growth in this movie, in terms of character growth, yeah, it's pretty much just John Hammond. I mean, I think. Everybody else gets either eaten or is justified at the end. Right. <laughs> well, I, I take that back. Uh, Alan Grant ha- uh, grows with uh, yeah, kids. There's stuff with Grant. And I think there's a little bit with Malcolm, but... So we got to talk about... I'm, not much. I, I, I want your thoughts at the end with Malcolm, because uh, I, I read something that's fun. Yep. On that on that front, to, to backtrack a second, uh, Mick Jagger says something to the extent of, never trust somebody who's on your payroll. Yeah. <laughs> and, and there is something about that in terms of uh, the wealth of this character being able to overwhelm critique. Yep. Um, I gave you, I, I just sponsored your dinosaur dig for three years. Yeah. You know, et cetera. Yeah. So Grant um, then asked, What species is this? 
It's a Velociraptor. You bred raptors. Cut! To the raptor pen. I do want to point out that, like, like that moment, like, when we see Grant encountering the uh, Brachiosaur, uh-huh. there's a lot of things going on in his face. There's a little bit of joy. There's a little bit of scare. There's total surprise. Like, like that moment, he could be prepared to sign off in that moment. And while he's holding that baby raptor, you can see his OF face. Yeah. Yep. Like, th- like he, he, the pieces are starting to come together for him. Like, this is a bad idea. Yeah, yeah. And I would also like to point out that he just says, you bred raptors. He doesn't come out aggressively and say, you fool. <laughs> he's just acknowledging the fact of it. It's a pause with clear, um, I need to think about this. Mm-hmm. Um, but he has a strong emotion there. Yeah. It is the case that his questioning does begin when he gets to the pen, because this is where the um, Muldoon character comes back. Mm-hmm. They get to the pen. Hammond says, uh, <laughs> Hammond is trying to tell everybody about the wonderful lunch they're going to eat soon. Right. And how they're going to have sea bass and such. Chili and sea bass, I believe. Uh, shall we? <laughs> they're watching... As they, you know, are lowering the cow, the steer, into the uh, raptor pen. And Grant asks what they're doing. And Hammond says, feeding them. You know, yeah. like, this is this is the best thing ever. Watch this. Hey, it's lunch. <laughs> and they are obviously, they're up on the steps and, um, and, and watching as then all the branches go absolutely berserk with terrifying noises right there's like growling and snapping and crunching sounds and that's where Muldoon steps up and says they should all be destroyed Mm -hmm. enter the six to the rescue yep one thing that hit me here like watching this is it's very seldom the case I think in six's minds that they see themselves as the um you know the 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 action hero of a movie Right. That's who this guy is. Right. He's yep. he's clearly the one who understands what's going on. He's clearly the most courageous of the bunch. He understands the danger in front of him because he's actually studied this and like like prepared for like he's a hunter. Yeah. So anyway, fan, I, I it it seems to me that uh this isn't necessarily the place your mind goes when thinking of a six, and that's exactly who this person is. Him and introduces him. This Robert Muldoon, my game warden from Kenya. Bit of an alarmist, I'm afraid, but knows more about raptors than anything. It's a perfect way for a seven to describe yeah. a six. That's what it is. Yeah. That's what it is. That's exactly <laughs> what that is. <laughs> Just knocking out him at the knees, you know. Yep. I'm gonna take down his credibility, and because of course, the six, being the alarmist he is, is gonna spoil the adventure. Right. Grant jumps in. Tell me what kind of metabolism do they have? What's their growth rate? He starts asking, firing off questions because he's real interested in these animals these days his whole and he's, life. he's looking for science questions. He's asking science questions. Uh-huh. Yeah. Talk about that. Well, I, Muldoon's answers are the point I, I'm, I want to get oh. to. Yeah. Yeah, because he's going to say they're lethal at eight months. <laughs> right. Yeah. Grant is asking science questions and ha- and Muldoon says they're going to kill you. Yeah, that's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> that's, I don't know how else to say this, but. 
I've hunted most things that can hunt you, but the way these things move. As fast for a biped? Cheetah speed. 50, 60 miles per hour if they ever got out in the open. And they're astonishing jumpers. Yes. Hammond realizes this is going badly. Yes, 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 yes. That's why we're taking extreme precautions. Yeah, spin it positive. Grant, do they show intelligence? And Muldoon says, they're extremely intelligent, even problem solving. Especially the big one. We bred eight originally, but when she came in, she took over the pride and killed all but two of the others. That one, when she looks at you, you can see she's working things out. One of the interesting things here, this is the first time that the gender of the dinosaurs is stated in this way. Mm -hmm. It's she, she, she. And you'll know this from when, from his death scene later on, he says, clever girl. Yeah. He's aware of the power of... There's something in this movie that is, there's a great feminist watching of this movie in terms of the elevation and the power of female characters. Mm -hmm. And he gets it. Yeah. This character gets it, and it seems to be the first place where it really kind of comes forth in some of the language. Anyway, any, any thoughts on that uh, Grant and Muldoon conversation? Well, I think like like the the starkness of Muldoon's answers showcase like he is thinking about the danger Mm -hmm. Like and and over and over again, Grant is asking scientific questions. Yep. What kind of metabolism do do they have? They're fast for a biped. Uh, when he asks about the intelligence, he says, "With the brain cavity like theirs, we assumed." And Muldoon says, "She's a problem solver." Yeah, and it's like like he's not giving scientific answers. He's giving very practical like assessment of the danger answers yep there's the banter yep that's when the uh k whatever was holding the cow is pulled out and it's just been torn to pieces right and hammond says who's hungry right <laughs> let's let's move on to the next thing Ugh, hammond the cut to the visitor center and they're in this presentation room and there's all these uh, screens around them. They're kind of showing numbers and how things are going to work. And Hammond uh, says that the park's going to open with the, this tour that they're going to take in a minute. And Gennaro, be, his mind has clearly started going. And we can charge anything we want, 2000 a day, 10000 a day, and people will pay it. And then there's the merchandise. And he's going to put forth his resume. And Hammond says, This park was not built to cater only for the super rich. Everyone in the world has the right to enjoy these animals. Sure, they will. What, we'll have a, a coupon day or something. And then Malcolm speaks up. Again, great move here. Gee, the lack of humility before nature that's being displayed here um, staggers me. And everybody looks at him. Well, thank you, Dr. Malcolm, but I think things are a little bit different than you and I had feared. Yeah, I know. They're a lot worse. Now, wait a second. Now, we haven't even seen the part no, where Donald, 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 let him talk. And Hammond stops it all. He says, there's no reason. No, no, I want to hear every viewpoint. I really do. Before we hear the speech, what do you hear in the setup there? Well, it's just an interest. Like, it, it, this, this scene, I feel like I, I, I blew past it so much when I was younger, and then I, uh -huh. as I've gotten older, this scene becomes more and more interesting uh -huh. because of the way that the characters shift here is so stark. Like, everyone sort of moves into their place yes. in this scene in really interesting ways. So you have Hammond, the guy who is just so excited to bring everyone on this adventure, 
and like he begins to like this is one of the places where he most clearly showcases that he does not care about the danger yep he's just excited about the adventure and he he thinks that he is prepared he thinks that he's in control and he thinks that he cares i want to hear all viewpoints but he doesn't actually want to hear someone speak badly about him yeah 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 um and and uh like Gennaro has so thoroughly moved from the guy who's supposed to make sure that that the park is safe to the guy who's fully bought in and ready mm-hmm. to make bank mm-hmm. off of this thing like <clears throat> it is going to be so successful and i am in let's make it make as much money as possible off of this thing and then and then malcolm finally shows his true colors as a not just someone who has studied chaos, but someone who understands the real danger. Yes. You are not in control of the situation, and I need to tell you that you aren't now. Another Tony Stark throwback. Don't you remember what I said before? We needed a shield around the world. Yep. Yep. And there is something about the three in this space that's interesting to me. Mm-hmm. So the coping style for a three in terms of facing problems is going to be a shutdown their emotions and solve the problem logically for the most part threes seem to have that outgoing aggressive give me the attention until you hit the problem right and there there's a very different personality that can come out in those spaces yeah and there's there's this shift that happens where it's like like i know more than you and i am going to put you in your place and i'm kind of gonna be mean about it yep yeah (laughs) So Malcolm says, yeah, don't you see the danger, uh, John, inherent uh, in what you're doing here? Genetic power is the most awesome force the planet's ever seen, but you wield it like a, a kid that's found his dad's gun. Feeling, yep. you know, feelings out the window. I'm going to yep. I'm going to put forth a terrible picture here. And then he's uh, starts to get interrupted and he says, if I may, um, I'll tell you the problem with the scientific power that you're that you're using here. Uh, it didn't require any discipline to attain it. You know, you read what others had done, and you and you took the next step. You didn't earn the knowledge for yourselves, so you don't take any responsibility for it. You stood on the shoulders of geniuses uh, to accomplish something as fast as you could, and before you even knew what you had, you you patented it and packaged it and slapped it on a plastic lunchbox, and now you're selling it. You want to sell it? Well, love the banging of the table. So, yep. <laughs> what do you what do you see there? Well, for one, it's a it's a great cut down of a seven. Ooh, okay, yeah. Like it's it's a yeah, yeah. great cut down. This may be more about Hammond. Like, don't you see what you've done? You skipped all of the 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 parts that you needed that would have held you back for from doing this terrible thing. Yeah, and and you have no idea. Like the um, what's the actual line? You didn't earn the knowledge yourself. You stood on the shoulders of geniuses yeah. to accomplish something as fast as you could. And before you knew what you had, you patented it. Like like the 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 inability to slow down, to stop, to to like be in the moment that that is such a problem for sevens. Like this yep. is a great cut down of that. On rewatch, during a time of quarantine. I ended up being reminded that sometimes horror films start with the scientists being ignored. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. <laughs> and occasionally 
the motives of all of us come out in these spots. There's a clear danger here. Yeah. Nobody likes danger. Right. Nobody likes the danger you can't, you haven't seen yet. You haven't seen it, you know, tear people apart yet. Right. And yet, how do you, how do you react to that danger? Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, over and again with, in my friend group, what I, what I'm seeing is our Enneagram types are a thousand percent coming forth in how we react to our present situations. Sure. Yeah. What's what's great about this scene is you have two threes who are acting very differently. Right. Same motive. Yep. Same motive, yeah. and yet they are processing this through their character, through their experiences, through their expertise, through mm-hmm. and, and through what they value most. Yeah. And of course that's how the Enneagram works. Yeah. Your type doesn't make you a good person or a bad person, and it doesn't make you able to solve hard problems and difficulties. What ends up happening is this is simply how you filter uh, the world given what you value most and experience. You got thoughts on that? Right. Well, and the um, your health also does not necessarily dictate whether or not you are right. Yep. Um, yep. So like... I, I don't know that, that we can really point to Ian Malcolm being a particularly healthy person, like the way that he talks about himself, the way that he talks about his life outside of this park. Yep. I don't think that he's a quote-unquote healthy person, and here he is being totally right. Yeah. That's, so, I th- yeah. that's fantastically stated. Yeah. That's what actually I think what makes this character really a, a great character it's not white hat black hat right it's there's some moral ambiguity here mm-hmm. and and yet we're moved by his speech right and so is Hammond and Hammond has to has to solve this thing quick because it's going off the rails right and he says I, I don't think you're giving us our due credit our scientists have done things which nobody's ever done before yeah yeah but your scientists were so preoccupied with whether or not they could they didn't stop to think if they should prescriptive versus descriptive it's i can do this with the natural order but i what should i do matters and then hammond then launches you know okay we got we got a course correct condors condors are on the verge of extinction if i was to could not know if i was to create a flock of condors on this island you wouldn't have anything to say no hold on this isn't this isn't some species that was obliterated by deforestation or or the building of a dam dinosaurs uh, uh, had their shot, and nature selected them for extinction. That's his counter argument. Well, and I think this is uh, this is part of like the display of the th- the three being completely sure of their own way. Like in that, like like there's there's this sort of yes. there's this element of like like I am going to be the one that's that that like takes charge. I, I know more than you before we talked about how he was right. And uh-huh. here's where he gets farther from objective reality, but he doesn't know that he's so bought into his system of natural selection, which that's, that's not the point of why these dinosaurs are back. Well, to use the language that we've used in the past with threes that of shutting down your emotions, solve the problem. Threes are going to be goal-oriented. What's the goal here? And he understands that the goal is not 
unleashing genetic manipulation on the world and having people like John Hammond controlling the future of living creatures on our planet and what it, like he is pushing into... Um, there is both a beauty and... Well, I was going to say it in the next line. He's, uh, Hammond says that this is a Luddite attitude um, and that uh, how could we stand by in the lie of discovery and not act? And Malcolm thinks the natural order is good as it is and as it plays out and says... Oh, what's so great about discovery? It's a violent, penetrative act that scars what it explores, what you call discovery. I call the rape of the natural world. It's again, here's here's a very, um, you know, a, again, a feminist viewing of this um, critique of the man who is seeking to impose his will on nature. Right. And the female dinosaurs are going to represent, I don't think that you get to decide how things are going to go. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's also a mic drop moment. Like, that's hard to, <laughs> it's like, yeah, okay, it's, well. Like, when you say rape in the early 90s, <laughs> like, that's it. It's over. <laughs> <laughs> this is where, by the way, Ellie is the next one to speak. Right. So again, now the female character, aside from Lex, who's going to come later, but the, the only female character really so far in the movie, comes forth and wants to speak wisdom into the space. Well, the question is, how can you know anything about an extinct ecosystem? And therefore, how could you ever assume that you can control it? When you have plants in this building that are poisonous. You pick them because they look good. But these are aggressive living things that have no idea what century they're in, and they'll defend themselves violently if necessary. Hammond, again, re is this reframing? He's, he just keeps jumping like, well, let's look over here then, because this sort is Sort of, yeah. 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 Trying to find someone who's excited with him. Dr. Grant, if there's one person here who could appreciate what I'm trying to do. And Grant says, this is really the first time that he's offered a conclusion. Mm -hmm. It's been all questions and emotional reactions. Yeah. But here you hear what's on Grant's mind. He says, The world has just changed so radically, and we're all running to catch up. And I don't want to jump to any conclusions, but look. Dinosaurs and man, two species separated by 65 million years of evolution, have just been suddenly thrown back into the mix together. How can we possibly have the slightest idea of what to expect? And Hammond then throws in the towel. I don't believe it. <laughs> I don't believe it. You're meant to come down here and defend me against these characters, and the only one I've got on my side is the blood-sucking lawyer. <laughs> the, the lawyer's uh, credibility being diminished. He says, right. oh, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> the seven is pinned down. Yep. Everyone is tackling him. Yep. The adventure is being dashed. In good news for John Hammond, his grandkids show up. Uh, I want to point out, the um the Ellie cares about the plants and how the plants feel. Ooh. Like you pick them because they're pretty, but these are aggressive living things that have no idea what century they're in and they will defend themselves. Aware of even the feel well, this is her specialty. Yeah. This is the sort of thing that she really cares about and she is, yeah, extending emotion to to these living things. Mm-hmm. And, and Grant's response, I think, is really interesting. Um, I, I'm just going to come out and say it. I'm, I'm, I'm pulling for him as a nine. Yeah. Um, and I think that, that he here is displaying the thing that I think is the problem with what Malcolm is doing. So the three is coming out and aggressively defending his point, 
by uh-huh. just making his vision law. So three, okay. sevens, and yeah. eights have this thing where they think that they can change the world around them to fit the way that they th- that they see it. Mm-hmm. And then the nine comes in and sort of explains it. Yeah. And says, dinosaurs and man are separated by millions of years of evolution, and we have no idea what's going to happen. And I think that's what Malcolm is trying to say, but Malcolm is doing it in a very aggressive way. Yeah. There it is. And Grant Grant has to get invited into the conversation. Right. Um, and has held back, has not wanted to push when clearly he is deeply skeptical. Yep. Love it. Uh, Hammond gets to see, we cut to the visitor center. Tim and Lex yell out, Grandpa! Uh, what actually, before he says that, Hammond, this is a throwaway line, but it's so great. Hammond says, Okay, now you four are going to have a little company out in the park and spend a little time with our target audience. And then this the kids. It's his reframe. Up. It's his reframe. It's like, <laughs> it's exactly you're going to get to see there. it through the eyes of the children. Somebody it's think like, of the children. I'm sure we can figure out a way. Yeah. To move these people into a better mindset about the adventure that we should all be having. Uh, so Tim and Lex, we we uh, typed as a one and an eight. Tim is the one, Lex is the eight. Uh, they are clearly going to move our hero, Dr. Grant, forward towards becoming a better human being because we saw earlier that he despises kids and this will be part of this character's growth. Right. Um, but the dynamic, there's the dynamic between Grant, Malcolm and, uh, and Sadler that comes into play again here where Malcolm, um, they're picking cars and Malcolm says, I'll ride with Dr. Sadler. And, and it's like, Grant is like, what? And he's just trying to avoid the kid. Right. He's, he's trying, he's trying to balance both worlds. Like he, he doesn't want to, he doesn't want Malcolm to ride with his lady but yeah. he's also not going to aggressively do something about that. Ooh. Uh, and he's also at the same time trying to get away from the kids. <laughs> he just, just wants to carve out his space where everything yep. is comfortable. Yep. Tim comes up to him, says, I read your book. And Grant says, oh, yeah, great. Just following him everywhere he goes. Do you really think that dinosaurs turn into birds? And that's where they all went. Grant opens the door of the rear of the car and climbs in, and Tim follows. Well, a few species may have evolved along those lines. They sure don't look like birds to me. Which is what the last kid kind of (laughs) said. And this time, Grant doesn't defend his point of view. Grant turns to Tim and says, Tim, which car were you planning on? Thinking this is is a clever way to get away. And, And Tim says, Trouble when you are. Opens the door for him. Tim gets in. He shuts the door and goes to the other car. Lex then steps forward and says, and I like this as a line for Sadler, but Lex says, She said I should ride with you because it'd be good for you. And there Perfect. is Dr. Sadler laughing in the front seat of the other car. Perfect. Yep. Uh, it, that plays out. The nine is trying to withdraw to get control over his space. And, yeah. and without being aggressive or mean or... Like, like a, a true eight would have been like, you're riding in that car and I'm riding in yes. this car. 
Yeah. <laughs> True. This is right. Cut to the control room. There's a large glass map of the island. There's computers. Muldoon and Hammond walk in, and Muldoon, uh, the six, says, National Weather Service is tracking a tropical storm about 75 miles west of us. Ay, 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 why didn't I build in Orlando? <laughs> and Hammond looks over uh, one of the new characters' shoulders, which is uh, Arnold. What's Arnold's first name? Ray. Looks over Ray Arnold's shoulders. Ray. Stop the tour program. And Samuel L. Jackson says, Hold on to your butts. Come on. I love that line. <laughs> I always forget that that's from this movie. He says it twice. He says it here and he says it uh, when they restart everything, yep. which is yep. the real. So of all things, uh, I was listening to a podcast. Uh, there's a ton of Jurassic Park podcasts out there for sure. those wanting to do deeper dives. But one of the commentators had gotten Samuel L. Jackson to write that on a piece of paper, hold mm-hmm. on to your butts, and tattooed it on her butt. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. I would totally do that. <laughs> TJ, some of you who will be privileged to know, has one ironic tattoo. Yep, it's true. Does it count as an ironic tattoo? It's kind of a both hand. It's both, yeah. That's that's part of the beauty of it. Serious. I have like, like a hardcore biker tattoo that says mom on my shoulder. It's because I love but, my mom. But, but he loves his mom. <laughs> Cut to the self-driving cars at the main gate. Spared no expense. <laughs> Malcolm says, God help us, we're in the hands of engineers. Which, again, it just the, the image of control and chaos mm-hmm. in this character, he's clearly representing some ideas at this point in time. Right. Um, it makes fun of the big gates and says, what have they got in there? King Kong. He knows exactly what they got in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, they drive past the Dilophosaurus uh, space. No show. Cut back to the control room. And this is where things are, are get real interesting, it seems to me, in terms of John Hammond's character. Ray Arnold. Vehicle headlights are on and they're not responding. Those shouldn't be running off car batteries. Item 151 on today's glitch list. We have all the problems of a major theme park and a major zoo, and the computers aren't even on their feet yet. And here is where I feel like there's just a tipping point for Hammond. Mm-hmm. Where he's like, he he heard that. Yeah. Like, this really is an obstacle for us getting. And he turns to the villain. Dennis, our lives are in your hands and you have butterfingers? Just before we get into Nedry's response, what am I, am I missing anything there? Like, in terms of, like, Hammond has had all these things going wrong. There's a tropical storm coming. The computers aren't working. All the scientists are saying my ideas about dinosaurs aren't going to work. And then all of a sudden it's like I have one last hope and it's the villain. Like when sevens get into this place where they're sort of like backed into a corner, they then they start to get kind of nasty. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And like like you can see it happening on Hammond's face. Like it, yeah. it starts at the dinner. Like like he he says that he doesn't like lawyers in the opening scene, but he calls the lawyer a blood sucking lawyer to his face yeah. after he's been attacked, and like sure. the lawyer isn't the one who attacked him even. <laughs> <laughs> 
The lawyer's the only one that's on his side. <laughs> so good. So he just like he starts to get more and more nasty because things aren't going his way because he feels like he's boxed in. Yep. And so he's just like lashing out. And like you see that with sevens. So this is why we we typed uh, Dennis Nedry as a four is probably this line. He says, I'm totally unappreciated in my time. You can run this whole park from this room with minimal staff for up to three days. You think that kind of automation is easy or cheap? You know anybody who can network eight connection machines and debug two million lines of code for what I bid for this job? Because if you can, I'd love to see I'm him try. Sorry about what is going on there? I think that he is trying to get someone to acknowledge how special he is. Yeah. Like, that's that's all he wants, is he wants someone to say, you were special, you were unique, you were the only person who can do this, and, like, that's all he wants to hear. And he wants to hear it with a big, fat check. <laughs> and that's the way he wants to hear it. That's right. Hammond, they get in a fight. Two idealists, fours and sevens. And, they're, and there's, well... Notice how this plays out. Sorry about your financial problems, Dennis. I really am, but they are your problems. Oh, you're right, John. You're absolutely right. You know, everything's my problem. I will not get drawn into another financial debate with you, Dennis. I don't blame people for their mistakes, but I do ask that they pay for them. Thanks, Dad. The fight there, the four and seven, is it's a it's about money on one front, but it's about something else, isn't it? I think it's like in part it's about control and it's about um morality and appreciation and like you you see this in unhealthy fours and and fours who like are just behaving unhealthily where they'll sort of like throw their their stuff back on people and like like it's this there's this dynamic of of them trying to push people away and saying and like this like like throwing pity around uh-huh. Like, yeah, sure. Everything's my fault. Thanks. Blah. Like, like that sort of attitude. You see it come out in really unhealthy fours. And the seven who does not want to deal with negative experiences is trying to corral him in a, in a like grow up kind of way. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, it's, it's just the unhealth of their types really coming out. Uh, fours and, and sevens, um, they say that, that fours and sevens look an awful lot of li- alike when they're children. Okay. Like they're, they're almost indistinguishable as children because there's so much happening. Like they're, there's just like, they're all emotion. They're all intensity there. Uh-huh. It's not about control. It's not about the same kind of things as, as a lot of other types, but fours and sevens look so much alike because they're so much. And here this comes out in their unhealth as adults is they're just like their mm. muchness is, is slamming into each other. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. Um, Nedry says, I'll, yeah, I'll debug the tour program when they get back, okay? It'll eat a lot of compute cycles. We'll lose part of the system for a while. You know, there's a finite amount of memory. You can't use it for everything. We're going to compile for Which is kind of slid in there. And then Muldoon says, quiet all of you. I'm approaching the Tyrannosaur paddock. We hear T-Rex, you know, we hear that the Tyrannosaurus is going to come out. Yep. But what's really slid in there is what the big problem in this movie is going to be, which is they're going to they're going to have to restart the system and it's going right. to have all these bugs and he's setting the hook there. Right. Cuts to the 
to the fence in front of the Tyrannosaur section. One of the great movie lines ever. God creates dinosaurs. God destroys dinosaurs. God creates man. Man destroys God. Man creates dinosaurs. Sadler finishes the thought. Dinosaurs eat man. Woman inherits the earth. There she is. Dr. Sadler. I have the sense that she is a feminist action hero icon almost entirely because of this line. Yeah, uh, sure. Uh, yep. You know what I mean? Love that. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Nearly... Just this great joke about the stupidity of man. Yeah. Like men have been in charge for thousands of years and here, here's, here's where it ends. They created dinosaurs, you idiots. And now <laughs> women will inherit the earth. Love it. It's got a great double meaning there in terms of the women inheriting the earth, because if all the dinosaurs are female, that would play out as women inheriting the earth. Right. Uh, this is where the goat gets elevated. Uh, Lex and Tim are looking at the goat. Different reactions. What's going to happen to the goat? He's going to eat the goat? And Tim is really excited. It's excellent. We're going to watch this goat get, get taken down. The lawyer, Gennaro, says, What's the matter, kid? You never had lamb chops? And Lex, here's the eightness for Lex for me. She says, I happen to be a vegetarian. Yeah. And that, that element of stating um, not only her opinion, but aggressively stating her opinion, identifying herself, and this is, these are my standards and the elements I can oversee. Um, it's going to come out more in other parts of her character, but I like that as at least one, one glimmer into her character. Well, and, uh, and like, like we're, we're talking about typing kids, which you should never, ever do. You should never type kids. Don't type your kids. <laughs> now that being said, uh, eights are often very noticeable as children because they, they decide what they want and they act on it with more, directness and control than other types. And here is someone who she's, she's what 12. Yeah. Like 10 or 12 has decided already that she yeah. is a vegetarian. Yeah. This is who I am. Yeah. yeah. And like, like Tim's not, which means yeah. that her family is not vegetarians. Yeah. <laughs> she decided this on her own yeah. and she is a vegetarian. I haven't seen that in my house, but there might be some boundary um, lines that have been clearly delineated in terms of who 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 we are. Yep. Um, here's here's one of my favorite lines from Grant. Grant says, "T-Rex doesn't want to be fat. He wants to hunt. Just suppress sixty-five million years of gut instinct." That is a nine empathizing with a tyrannosaur. Yep. Absolutely. <laughs> yep. Uh, now, now, eventually, you do plan to have dinosaurs on your on your dinosaur tour, right? In him and who looks completely defeated by this point in time. I really hate that man. Yeah. And like like Malcolm goading, like using the camera to goad on the guy that like he's he's just zeroed in on Hammond and like yeah. he's not being like the kind of like he's clearly being aggressive. He's not being the kind of eight aggressive where it's like like I will be taking control of this situation. He's being the mm -hmm. kind of like, like appearance based aggressive. 
Yeah. Like the sarcasm and the like like there's a an attention seeking element to this. He has a radar for failures yep. and is exposing that in somebody else because mm-hmm. he clearly already does not uh, affirm this park. Right. And so because he doesn't affirm it, he has a radar for here. Let me show you where you are not doing this well. Yeah. And when that's exposed, it's kind of, well, that, that's that's the three's method of attack. Malcolm then uh, turns to the others, says, I think the Tyrannosaur uh, doesn't have any set patterns or, or, or park schedules. It's the essence uh, of chaos. And this is where Sadler comes back in and says, It's still not clear on chaos. Oh, oh, it, 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 it uh, simply uh, deals with uh, predictability in complex systems. The shorthand is the, the butterfly effect. A butterfly can flap its wings in Peking, and in Central Park, you get rain instead of sunshine. And Ellie gestures with her hand as though she misses that and Malcolm says, ah, I'm a flyby. I went too fast. Here, give me your glass of water. He dips his hand in the water, touches Ellie's hand, uh, starts making little patterns. Watch the way the water uh, falls off your hand. She's really into him in this scene, it seems to me. There's way more chemistry between Sadler and, and Malcolm than there is between Sadler and Grant. There's like, there's a loyalty, it seems to me, between. Sadler and Grant, but Malcolm keeps going. <laughs> it changed. Do, uh, well, to, to me in this moment, like she's kind of playing him a little bit. Okay. Like, like he's charming and she's letting him charm her, but she also knows that it bothers Grant. Oh, okay. And so like she's, she's letting the attention wash over her, but it's about someone else. I was going to ask you that. What's the story with Ellie here? That's exactly, yeah. that's it. Is that a, she wants to to pull him forward. She wants to to get attention from Grant, which she doesn't get. So she's gonna, you know, m- uh, move his je- jealousy, perhaps. Uh, because she seems to me like one of the more healthy characters, and the way that she sort of like like teases and prods Grant, this feels oh. like it's it's really it's it's much more playful. Oh, I see where you're going. Than manipulative, yeah. if. If she was less healthy, this would be entirely manipulation. Yeah. But I think because she's healthy and, and she's secure in their relationship, it, it seems to me like she's she's it's it's playfulness. Yeah. So that's good. I like that. That's hard. Because that. clear, her commitment's gonna be demonstrated here in a second, but right. that's exactly right. So Malcolm drops another drop of water, it changes, and he says, why does it change? Because tiny variations, uh, the, the orientation of the hairs on your hands. Hey, Alan, look at this. Um, the amount of blood distending your vessels, imperfections in the skin, and never repeat and vastly affect the outcome. That's important. Unpredictability. Huh? And then Grant throws open the door and runs out. Look at this. See? See? I'm right again. Nobody could have predicted that Dr. Grant would suddenly, suddenly jump out of a moving vehicle. And then Ellie uh, goes after him. There's uh, another example. <laughs> See, here I'm now by myself uh, uh, talking to myself. That's that's chaos theory. Yeah, <laughs> perfect. Yep. Malcolm the three has yep. just failed. Yep. Has just failed. And when he's talking to himself, I think is like on one side feels the failure and two then spins it. So that there it he is. Can get that's back, chaos theory. Back yep. up on top. Yep. <laughs> This isn't because I failed. 
This is because of chaos. It's because of chaos. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> you can shift the blame. Yep. <laughs> That's right. Um, so this is one. Of, this is the scene you'll be familiar with. They they uh, are going through the tall grass and they come upon this sick triceratop and they start uh, you know having that emotional experience of it all. They're petting it. They're excited about it. They're um, but then, of course, the Triceratop is sick. Sadler, who is a specialist in plant life, says, you know, they're talking about how the dinosaur is poisoned, and she says that it's come from a local plant. Is this West Indian lilac? Yes. We know they're toxic, but the animals don't eat them. Are you sure? Pretty sure. There's only one way to be positive. I'd have to see the dinosaurs dropping. Dino. Dropping? Dropping? Is she a paleobotanist just for this scene? I suppose she has a... a, a there's the talk about plants earlier. Yeah, she has a few lines. Um, it's, it's, it's hard to just, like... They're in a land of dinosaurs, so it's really hard to, like, showcase the skills of uh, someone who studies old plants. <laughs> Yeah, so you just gotta um, say it. Yeah, so she she's like when they come across the brach the brachiosaur, she is looking at a leaf. Yeah, yeah, and like that's the thing that she's interested in is yeah. the plant life. When when they're all out around the table, she's talking about the plants that he has. Yeah, and and here she is like like again, her concern is for the plants. I guess that's true. No, they've done a good job showing not telling. Uh, at first, so that when she starts digging through the poo with garbage bags on her arms, and, you yeah. know, it's funny and it actually is part of her character. And right. She's right. tenacious. Yep. And and in that that two way, like like she is using her expertise to try and help the sick animal. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. Talk about this, because I think that's a huge part of this. Her to her tuness comes out in in her care and affection for both. The plants and with the triceratop here. Mm -hmm. This this moment was the pivotal scene for me coming to her to thinking of her as a two. Yeah, is that the the way that she's caring about this triceratops, which is sick, is like like she is very concerned about its its health and and sort of happiness. So like the the very end of this scene is her saying, and we'll we'll talk about this in a minute, but like her saying that she's going to stay with it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. There's no reason for her to do that. Yep. Except as a plot device to separate the characters. But it comes authentically out of her motive. Exactly. Yep. It makes a great storytelling. Cut back to the control room and uh, Hammond and Arnold are watching the video monitors and they're not happy because they're seeing all the clouds. That storm center hasn't dissipated or changed course. We're going to have to cut the tour short, I'm afraid. And Hammond says... Are you sure we have to? There's a hurricane coming. <laughs> not concerned about the safety. He wants nope. his story to be told. Arnold says... It's not worth taking the chance, John. And Muldoon piles on, says sustained winds at 45 knots... And this is one of the great, like, unleashes of emotion. <laughs> it, like, shoots Hammond from the side, and Hammond just yells. Dah! Like, his whole adventure has been set aside. Yeah. Again, a six, seven, and one. 
how they're reacting to the problem at hand. Well, uh, I don't think we talked that much about Arnold being a one. Oh yeah, do it. Like we see this play out throughout his whole thing is that like he's concerned about being right, where like Muldoon is concerned about safety. I think Arnold is very concerned about being right and and being correct uh, in the like what's the right thing to do here kind of way. Yep. And this is one of the good moments of that is like we have to cut this short. I'm sorry. Um, we can pick it up tomorrow, but it's because of this hurricane and we don't want to deal with like, it, it's not worth taking the chance. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's another great jaws parallel mm-hmm. here where you'll remember in jaws, the mayor of the town is set on getting his beaches open, right? He's got to get the beaches open and I got to just make sure. And everybody's kind of hesitant and there's mixed opinions and there's mm-hmm. lots of, you know, un, unsure information and how are we going to do this? And this similar here, a uh, little bit more aggressive with uh, Hammond of just wanting to get this park open in the face of, of obstacles. Yeah. Um, again, opening up the things, maybe a, a, a topic we're talking about in our present sure. culture. Yeah. And it's not that anyone's right or well, somebody's right or wrong, but it is the case that we can feel the tension right now in our own culture of saying we need to open, we need to open, we need to open, or we need to be real hesitant, we need to uh, back down, we need to be calm or a little bit more concerned. Anyway, I thought that was interesting. Yeah. Cut back to the field. Malcolm looks at this huge heap in front of him and says... That is one big pile of shit. (laughs) Ellie with her plastic gloves digging through it. This is where her, I'm I'm curious about this line. When Malcolm says, She's um, tenacious. You have no idea. What is going, I I don't know that I would think of twos as tenacious, but that's his impression of her. Do you have thoughts on that? Well, she'll, like, like twos will do what needs to be done to take care of the people that they care about. Oh, there you go. It's because it's, it's directed. Yeah. And this is sense. a great moment to display that, like, like Malcolm doesn't actually get her, and Grant yeah. does. Ooh. <laughs> sure. And, like, like, Malcolm is very concerned about image and in this yeah. moment. Yeah. And Ellie is not. Like, like Dr. Sadler is not at all concerned about image. She is going to do the work that needs to be done to yeah. take care of the person that she's concerned about. Very attractive like, to Malcolm because of that. Here's somebody who's, who's different than me. Right. And also she's a lady. <laughs> His next line is, I don't know if this is image focused, but I could see a three saying this. You will remember to wash your hands before you eat anything. Right. Because, you know. She's just digging in poop. But coming from a three, mm-hmm. the motive for, for, for yelling that at her as she walks off. Yeah, it feels super image-focused to me. Yeah, that's what like I mean. Like, you're not going to be gross, right? Whereas, yeah. like, she's a botanist. So, yes. A, she's not that concerned about it, and B, of course she's going to wash her hands. <laughs> this is not her first time handling poop. <laughs> Apparently, right? This is where uh, Gennaro says, Doctors, if you please, I have to insist that we get moving. Because the storm's coming in. And Ellie says, You know, if it's all right, I'd like to stay with Dr. Harding and finish up with the trike. Then it starts raining. And of course, we all know 
we're in a horror movie and horror movies. You got to separate your characters yep. before you let the monsters out. And yep. there yep. it is. <laughs> Divide and conquer. But they do it in a clever way. Um, and out of motivation, she's right. going to help the Triceratops. Right. Yep. Cuts back to the control room. Nedry's on the phone and he's asking somebody on the phone who's at that boat for more time. And the guy says, no promises. So Hammond says, so much for our first tour. Two no shows and one sick triceratops. And Arnold says, could have been worse, John. A lot worse. And then Nedry stands up. Anybody want a a soda or something? Because it could have been worse. And he starts babbling because he's nervous. And they don't know what's going on. And then they're kind of confused. And he's like, well, I'm going to go get something salty or sweet or sweet or salty. And then he says, oh, and by the way. And uh, I thought maybe uh, I should tell you that the uh, system is going to be uh, compiling for uh, 18 or 20 minutes. So some of the minor systems, they might go on or off for a while. But it's nothing to worry about. It's just a simple thing. Hits execute and leaves. Chaos theory. Nedry is the is is the force of chaos in this movie, yep. it seems to me. Yep, absolutely. And him hitting execute is him unleashing the chaos. And this is this is him thinking that he's so special and and being so entirely self-focused that he doesn't think about the fact that this is the wrong time, that like he might miss the boat because of the storm, that like he's putting people's lives in danger. Mm-hmm. The, like, like all of this stuff, like he is not thinking about the consequences of his actions because he's so self-focused in this moment. Yep. It's, it's spectacular. Well, this might be a good place to pause. Actually, you want to hear something I read? Uh, this was actually in the, the making of documentary for Jurassic Park. It's on the Blu-ray. The very first thing that Spielberg says about Jurassic Park is that this is not a monster movie. The person, like, apparently was asking, you know, what, what do you think about creating a monster movie? Like, so it's not a monster movie. This is a contemporary telling about what it would be like if you took animals from way back then and put them in present day. Okay, sure. I think that's entirely wrong. This is a monster movie. The monsters are coming. <laughs> not to disagree with Steven Spielberg, but we will pick up with the monsters next time. So in the time being, um, it would mean the world to us if you would pause and take two seconds and write us a brief review or give us some stars on your podcasting platform of choice. Um, You can find us on Instagram at Around the Circle. But the best thing you can do, as always, is to share this with somebody that you love. Uh, You got anything else? I got nothing. He's TJ Wilson. He's officially awesome. And I'm Jeff Cook. And who you aren't isn't interesting. You will remember to wash your hands before you eat anything.